Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, a look at the Conservative campaign that resulted in a re-elected Liberal minority and the brewing fight over the Conservative Party leadership and Aaron O'Toole's future. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to another edition of Canada's Most Irreverent Talk Show, Thursday, September 23rd, 2021, just three days after the election of 2021, and it is a lot like a few days prior to the election of 2021. I'm just going to get this out of the way very briefly, because a lot of people have characterized this as the Seinfeld election, the election about nothing, the pointless election. I've been on the record since the get-go saying I don't actually think it was a bad time for an election because it gives Canadians and it gave Canadians the opportunity to audit the government's performance on COVID and any number of other things. And just because the election had the same result as the last election virtually doesn't mean it was pointless. It just means that Canadians made the same choice they did previously, which was to say, yeah, I guess we're better off with Justin Trudeau than other people, but we certainly don't want to give him a blank check, which is what a majority would be. Now, we can debate and discuss whether Canadians made the right call or the wrong call, but in a democracy, that is their call to make. Our call, your call, however you want to slice and dice this. But with that being said, it wasn't 24 hours after the polls closed before the knives were out for Aaron O'Toole from within the Conservative Party of Canada. And I want to delve into that. I'm going to talk about two main things here. What went wrong in the election and what that means for Aaron O'Toole moving forward. Because there's some overlap on these. The reasons why Aaron O'Toole has knives out for him are very similar to the reasons the Conservatives might not have fared as well in this election. But there are also some trends afoot that don't have to do with the election that are working against Aaron O'Toole. But I'm going to talk about this in a fair bit of depth here because I was covering the campaign I covered the Conservative campaign specifically. I also covered the PPC and some of the general broader themes of the election campaign. So I've got a bit of on-the-ground information that I can share about this, plus just the 30,000-foot view of things. And I will say that Aaron O'Toole was running away from conservatism. There's no way about it. No one who is a conservative would look at the O'Toole campaign and say that this was a campaign that was going to the right. Now, now, there are lots of debates that people can have about whether he made the right call or the wrong call. Victory makes people overlook a lot. Victory makes people forgive a lot. If the gamble that Aaron O'Toole made had worked, if Aaron O'Toole had won, a lot of the people that think that he wasn't conservative enough, that were upset about the flip-flop on the carbon tax, on firearms, on CBC funding and other things, a lot of people would say, all right, well... Okay, he won, so I guess we'll just get over it and, and work from within. But that didn't happen. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to make a big, bold strategy that's based off of the idea of not really caring about the base all that much and running to the center, you better make sure it works, which it didn't. And that's why a lot of the blue Tories are saying to Aaron O'Toole right now, okay, we did it your way, it didn't work, now it's time to go back to the party's roots, go back to a conservative leader with a conservative campaign. 
So here's what I want to do right now. I want to explain the flip-flops because this was where you took a party that was already not entirely on the fence with Aaron O'Toole and you just pushed it further and further away from him. It started back in April when the Conservatives announced their answer to Justin Trudeau's carbon tax, which was the O'Toole Bucks plan. This was the Aaron O'Toole slash conservative carbon tax that they weren't calling a carbon tax that was going to take uh, money that Canadians spend on things like gas or or other so-called carbon-intensive things. And the money that you pay for these things, you'd have to pay a levy, which would go into a savings account that you could then redeem to retrofit your house with energy-efficient windows or to make government-approved green purchases. And for starters, it was just a, a convoluted plan, not something that we had ever seen anywhere in the world before. And also, it was one that the Liberals pointed out very quickly rewarded making the purchases the government was telling you not to make. So because you got the money back to do green things, the more you spent on bad things or what the government thinks are bad things, the more you have to spend on green things. So it was actually a, a reverse incentive sort of thing, but ended up being an incentive. And this was where a lot of conservatives didn't care about the nuance. They were just saying, all right, you said no carbon tax, and this is a carbon tax. If it's government making us pay more for something, it's a carbon tax. And it didn't win any support from the left. It didn't win. What Aaron O'Toole was trying to do is say, we're not like the other conservatives. We are the new conservative party. We've got a plan for climate. And he did this. And I remember on the campaign, even the days that I was covering O'Toole's campaign, questions from reporters almost every day about why are you not going further on climate? Justin Trudeau has amended, he's increased his target for Canada. Why does your plan not do that? It, it was not enough. And that actually started pretty much the day after O'Toole announced the plan. The questions from the media were, oh, why does it not go further? So it never really worked. And, and I had said at the time in April, O'Toole was trying to do one of two things. Number one, he was trying to actually say, yes, we're different and this is our plan and it's a great plan or he was trying to just take it off the table. He was trying to neutralize the attack that he knew the conservatives were going to get, which was, oh, they don't have a plan for climate, by saying, well, yes, we do. And it's not entirely clear which he was trying to do, because he didn't actually talk about the climate plan all that much during the election campaign. He almost was hoping that I think a lot of people would forget about it. But conservative members didn't forget about it. That was kind of the mother of the flip-flops. When O'Toole went from signing this pledge with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation that you see on the screen there, no carbon tax, to, okay, well, here's the conservative carbon tax that we're going to have in our platform. And then there were other things as well, like I reported on the first full day of the campaign in his leadership platform last year, CBC was going to be defunded and privatized. And then all of a sudden it was, well, we're just going to review the mandate and maybe just see if there might be another business model for it. And then there was firearms in the platform. We're going to roll back the liberal order and council from May 2020 to this. So I want to make my position on firearms perfectly clear. First, the ban on assault weapons will remain in place. Second, the present ban on a number of other firearms that were reclassified in 2020 will remain in place. Third, we will conduct a transparent review of the firearms classification process to take the politics out of this process and engage the public in decisions with respect 
to public safety. And then there was his flip-flop on conscience rights for healthcare practitioners, laid out very clearly in the platform that he would protect conscience rights for healthcare practitioners until he said this. Well, as you know, I'm pro-choice and I, I want to make sure that access for women to those services are available across the country. It's an important right I will not only defend. I think we can also defend conscience rights for our incredible men and women on the front lines in our healthcare system. That is something we're going to do. Will they have to refer? Comme j'ai dit, on doit avoir une réorientation pour les services. Oui, yes, they will have to refer because the rights to access those services exist across the country. So there were a few of these, not just flip-flopping on things he had said earlier in his political career, but things that were in the printed paper hard copy platform that the party had released just a couple of weeks prior. So this is, again, why conservatives are frustrated. They thought, even when they saw the platform, okay, I can live with these things, and then one by one, a lot of these issues, which may not be relevant to most Canadians or all Canadians, but are certainly relevant to large chunks of the conservative base. And I would say beyond that, but in particular, the conservative base, especially single issue voters who are highly motivated by the firearms issue or by conscience rights for healthcare practitioners. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show with Jonathan Van Maren. So this is, I think, what's contributing to the knives coming out so quickly. Even more quickly than they did for Andrew Scheer, I think, although arguably some people were calling for Andrew Scheer's demise before the election even happened. Here's the thing, though. Aaron O'Toole is really part of this cultural battle within the Conservative Party right now that's been as old as the merger, which is 2003-2004, where you've got the red Tories versus the blue Tories. You've got, on one hand, the people that say, okay, we are the hardcore, hard blue, right blue, true blue, red meat conservatives, and then the other people that say, no, 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 we've got to be compassionate conservatives. Sometimes they're the Cape Breton conservatives, the people that say we have to be moderate, eschew the social issues. And, and there's always been, on one hand, this presentation of the Conservative Party as having a big tent with room for all. But internally, there's been this tug of war between these groups where each one wants to be the champion in nominations, in leadership. So O'Toole's in this, this weird spot here because on one hand, he ran in the leadership as a true blue conservative, which in that context really meant the anti-Peter McKay. But that's not the background. That's not where he comes from in the party. That's not the tradition from which he comes. I don't think he's ever been on the right side of the party. And, and that's completely fine. But he made a couple of concessions because he wanted the support from the base. And that was the problem here, is that he was not prepared to live up to those few promises that he made. And that's why, and when I talk about the knives being out, I want to speak about one very specific example of this here. Bert Chen, who's a member of the National Council for the Conservative Party, has actually launched a petition on Change.org. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind here. Change.org, not an official organ of registering your discontent with the Conservative Party of Canada. But it is a good way of showing momentum for something. He's got, at the time that I'm recording this, over 2,000 signatures. More are likely to be uh, alongside that because it has been picked up by media. True North reported on it. And then national media started to follow suit. And Bert Chen is saying that Aaron O'Toole has betrayed the principles that the Conservative Party has founded on. He's broken the trust of the members of the Conservative Party. And his campaign failed. 
So he wants a referendum that is going to recall Aaron O'Toole as leader of the Conservative Party. He says the betrayal is that he put forward a plan that abandoned fiscal responsibility. He is trampling freedoms by supporting vaccine passports. He broke the trust of members by embracing a carbon tax. Those are the three main things. And Bert Chen also takes issue with, and this is a bit in the weeds here, so bear with me, the fact that there is going to be a leadership review, but not for another two years. So the conservative constitution requires the members to review their leader, review their leadership, if they lose an election at the next time they have a convention. Now, the challenge with that is that the convention is not scheduled for another two years. So if there is, as Aaron O'Toole keeps talking about, an election in 18 months, as Trudeau has mused as possible in a minority situation, then Aaron O'Toole could by default run in another election without going through that review. So what Bert Chen is trying to do with his petition here is expedite this process. Now, it's not clear this is valid in the way he's trying to do it. If 20% of conservative members sign a petition they can trigger a referendum. And that referendum could be to recall Aaron O'Toole. Now that referendum would then need to be passed. And this could happen in a way that is as distinct and would happen in a way that's distinct from the leadership review at the 2023 Conservative Party convention. If you're, I'm sorry if you're like glazing over from this because I know it's not like internal party constitutional mechanics are not most people's idea of a good time, but they are relevant here if the conservative base is trying to get O'Toole out. With Andrew Scheer, they didn't do any of this. They were going to, but he just said, you know what, this isn't working, I'm stepping down. He just knew that it was no longer viable for him to proceed. And that may happen with Aaron O'Toole. Aaron O'Toole also has a lot more support behind him right now than Andrew Scheer did. Andrew Scheer had alienated a lot of people in the party by the end of his leadership. But at the same time, Aaron O'Toole does have support from a lot of people who are tending to fall into two camps. One of them is, he's our guy, we like him, we want to keep him around. And also the other group that says, okay, we, we, we can't do this. We can't just knife the leader every time. We've got to get, give him another shot. And there was a counter petition after Bert Chen's petition, which doesn't have as much support, but is still taking off, which is simply, I support Aaron O'Toole. And this is done by a conservative activist, Fraser McDonald, who we'll actually have on the show tomorrow to talk about this. And he says, yeah, we're disappointed, but holding a leadership race while the liberals are on the ropes will achieve nothing but letting them off the hook. Now is the time to unite all conservatives and focus on being ready to win right now. And he says, Aaron O'Toole is the guy. He can do it. We just have to give him another shot to do it. So these are the two narratives of, you know what? He failed. He betrayed us. Let's get rid of him versus, okay, Let's just buckle down and, and stay united because fracturing within the conservative movement has always been a threat. We see this with the People's Party where uh, the conservative movement does not keep itself together. And this is, not a, this is not a normative statement. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just pointing out that that's the pattern that the right in Canada tends to fall into every time. So the question will be, should Aaron get a pass on that? Should Aaron O'Toole get a pass? And I will say I've extended an invitation to Aaron O'Toole's office to have him on the show to speak to conservatives about why he should stay. Because his message has been, I'm not going anywhere. This is a clip from his press conference the day after the election. I'm the leader of the party that founded this great country. And I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of the gains we made last night for the first time in a decade back in Newfoundland and Labrador. Some new members of our caucus from across the country, some new 
generation of talent, and we're closer in dozens upon dozens of ridings, but not close enough. I want to earn that trust of Canadians, and that's why we're going to work tirelessly to examine what went right, what went wrong, to make sure that we form a government that has all Canadians part of a Conservative government. And we're going to need that because we could be back in an election in another 18 months. So you can hear it there. His pitch is, yeah, I'm the leader. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to continue to fight. And this is what we're doing. And I said a moment ago, I invited him on the show to do an interview. I haven't heard back yet. I should say, well, I, I had no issue getting access to Aaron O'Toole on the campaign trail when, when we actually paid to travel with the media on the campaign by plane and bus and, and all of that. Uh, I had been requesting for weeks for actually for months, I had been requesting since I think April, a sit down interview with Aaron O'Toole. And, and I said, I know this is going to be harder to schedule the closer we get to the election. Let's do an interview. Let's talk about the Aaron O'Toole approach to this. Talk to the issues that matter to the conservatives in Canada, small C and big C. And for the most part, I wasn't even getting a reply. And, and through the election, I kept saying, listen, can we just do an interview? Can we, can we do an interview? Do some interview. And, and it was like three days before the election, they finally responded and said, sorry, we can't fit this in after months of not really getting a reply at all. But nonetheless, I'm a forgiving guy. So I've reached out again and said, let me do an interview with Aaron O'Toole. He needs to justify to his base why he should stay on. Let's talk about the issues that matter to conservatives, the issues that he thinks matters to the party and to the base. And I haven't heard back, but again, the invitation absolutely stands. I want to bring into this discussion Jonathan Van Maren, who is the communications director for the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, which is a very active and dedicated pro-life group. Jonathan, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Andrew. We spoke at length about this on the show a couple of months ago in a panel with you and, and our colleagues Alyssa and Scott from right now about the state of the conservative movement, mm -hmm. specifically as it pertains to uh, social conservatism and a lot of the issues that come along with that. But let's start with a, a general question here. Were you surprised by what happened on Monday? No, actually, uh, that's it's pretty much exactly the outcome that I predicted, although I will say I thought the People's Party of Canada would do, would do slightly better than it did based on what people were saying um, door to door. Uh, well, like they did really well, Haldeman Norfolk because the riding riding uh, just across the street here and they got 11 percent there. Um, which is which is pretty high, especially because there's been vote splitting and writings like that before. But uh, Justin Trudeau getting getting more or less his minority back was kind of what I thought was going to happen. So now we've seen, I mean, the votes aren't even counted fully, and we've already seen a lot of people come out and call for Aaron O'Toole's head on a platter. This is, I think, a standard fare in conservative politics in general. A lot of people tend to adopt that one-and-done mentality. But I, I do think it's a little bit different now, and, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, because to some extent, I, I'm seeing from some of the more blue Tories a bit of payback. Okay, well, you made Andrew Scheer uh, eat his loss in 2019, so we're going to do the same for your guy, Aaron O'Toole tool mm -hmm. but i also think that people had such high expectations for him going into this election that now that it has been lost i, I think a lot of people are saying okay well that didn't work well there's a couple of things going on here uh, the, the first thing is is that you know there everybody knew he was running to the left of his base but what most people didn't point out was that he was actually running against his base so, for example, three days before the vote, you have him coming out saying, we are a socially progressive party, you know, running down a long list of things that the Conservative Party apparently is only if you ignore all of its members of Parliament, right? 80% of caucus 
had voted for, for a ban on gender selection abortion as one example, a policy that 84% of Canadians support and 93% of Canadians are in support of. And so when he says things like that, he was basically saying to his MPs, you know, sit down, shut up. I am the party now, and I'm going to tell Canadians what we represent, regardless of what your views are, what your voting record is, why you entered politics, what your constituents want. And, and the reason there's a lot of schadenfreude about, about the sheer result versus him, because sheer reduced Trudeau to a minority, beat him in the popular vote. Aaron O'Toole has less seats, uh, a less, less of a vote. Um, this is, of course, pending all the mail-in ballots getting counted. Uh, is that Ad Andrew Scheer um, was somebody who was socially conservative but didn't articulate it very well. He had some terrible staffers. He ran from the issues uh, more than he articulated them. Um, but social conservatives still understood he was an actually conservative person. And so even, even though there was plenty of us who were pretty irritated with him, we all did vote for him at the end of the day. Whereas uh, O'Toole, McKay, that wing of the party said, look, all we need to do is run to the center. We need to dump the SOCONs. We need to onboard more centrists, and then we're going to win. And this has been sort of, uh, the, like the media has said this, the Red Tories have said this, even the Liberals uh, have said this, right? And this is the first time we've actually seen a conservative leader put that into play on the ground and, and, and then get completely blown away when you have an incredibly crippled prime minister during a, you know, an election that nobody wanted. And, and, and he can't even outperform the guy who couldn't articulate SOCON values well. So for me, the, the gratifying part of the coverage, uh, even on the CBC the morning after, was like, oh, Aaron O'Toole ran to the center and it didn't work. And that's, that's a much different tune than the media usually sings on election, uh, uh, like post-op, as you know. Yeah, and I, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I would say looking back to 2019, there was nothing I found particularly objectionable in the platform that Andrew Scheer put in. Of mm -hmm. course, I was looking and saying, yeah, it would have been great if there was a, a bit more red meat. But you had communications nightmare after communications nightmare. You had bad messaging and then a couple of mini scandals that popped up that weren't handled particularly well, like, you know, dual citizenship and, and stuff like yeah, that. Dumb but, stuff. but the thing with Aaron O'Toole is that he reversed his platform, the, the pr platform that the party printed and distributed that he had announced on several occasions. The first one was conscience rights for healthcare mm -hmm. practitioners, which was a pretty big thing for social yeah. conservatives because that was one of the two things that he gave them. Yeah. He was very transparent in the leadership. He said, I'm not one of you, but I'll give you free votes and I'll give you conscience rights yeah. for healthcare practitioners. And he held the line on that for a couple of days and then eventually flipped and said, okay, there's a duty to refer. And then there were firearms and then mm -hmm. other flip-flops as well along the way. And, and when you only give social conservatives two things, it's pretty significant when you abandon both of those things in the course of 36 days. Well, that, that's exactly it. I, I said on our live stream on, on election night, at, by, by the time election day rolled around, it was hard to figure out which faction of the conservative base he hadn't stabbed in the back. Because the thing about like, when, you, when you pivot to the center or when you go after new constituencies to expand your votes and get elected, which obviously is his job, you actually have to ensure you hang on to the voters that you do have, especially when you have a challenge from the right. And he completely ignored the BBC until the final days. But if you look at it, right, you mentioned firearms. There was conscience rights. So the SOCONs couldn't stand him. Then you had the carbon tax thing. I, like, I, I put it to the listeners and the viewers. What does he do that's conservative? Right. He gave a speech. He gave a speech uh, on election night, which was, you know, this sort of barn burning victory speech about this is a conservatism that does X, Y, Z. And by the time he was done, I'm like, that is 
that does not resemble any version of conservatism that I'm aware of. And like, you know, I work with a lot of European pro-life groups, and and so there are different kinds of conservatism, right? There's especially difference between a Canadian conservatism, a European conservatism, and an American conservatism. And then there's the O'Toole conservatism, which apparently involves screwing over all the conservatives in his own base, promising the left that he's just like them, uh, and then realizing that why would they vote for him if he's just like them, but will give them less stuff than the other guy? There isn't really a compelling reason to vote for you know a less attractive version of Justin Trudeau. When we had the 2019 or 2020 leadership race, I guess it was, it was very much Peter McKay versus everyone. You had at the yeah. time Derek Sloan appealing to social conservatives, Leslie Lewis appealing to social conservatives, and Aaron O'Toole, who was, I think, the third choice for a lot of social conservatives, mm -hmm. but, but very much was the I'm not Peter McKay candidate to people yeah. on, on the right flank of the party, despite the, the true blue messaging. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he was misrepresenting. I think everyone knew where he was, but... Do you think the result of this now is going to be a correction back to a Leslin Lewis type candidate to a Pierre Polyev type candidate? Do you think that people will look at this and say, okay, we tried playing by the rules of what all those conservative consultants tell us to do, which is forget about the base and go after the center. It didn't work. Or do you think that it's a double down moment for those people? Well, so the red Tories are going to double down because they have to. Right. Um, I think Aaron O'Toole realizes that even if he gets a second crack at leadership, he's not going to get a second crack at getting most of that base back because he realized during this election he couldn't just rely on their loathing of Trudeau, which is what he was counting on. And that was a fair bet that people hated Trudeau so much they were, they were going to hold their nose and vote for him anyways. Well, that bet failed when people had the chance to get rid of Trudeau. Um, I have a very specific view on, on what we should do moving forward. And, and we discussed this at length previously on one of your shows with some other guests about what is social conservatism in Canada. And I really believe there's an enormous opportunity for, for social conservatives to, to, to change the way we talk about these things and to take the issue of choice off the table. So I wrote a piece in Convivium um, in the early days of, of the election, noting that uh, Justin Trudeau promised over 300 grand to the University of New Brunswick to, to research why, why, <clears throat> where abortion access could be improved, right? How can we get more women, more abortions, basically? And I said, look, the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada, which is the most radical pro-abortion group in the country, said in 2018 that, that a slim majority of women actually don't want abortions. Like, they're getting abortions because they, quote, feel like they have no other choice. You know, a, a conservative candidate who understood that you can be socially conservative without picking legislation that is, is going to kill you in the court of public opinion would say, actually, we're going to be giving $400,000 to commission a study into why these women are having abortions they don't want and how to figure out, and to figure out how to get the support that they actually want. And then start talking about unwanted abortions instead of unwanted babies, right? Trudeau assumes that there's a lot of unwanted babies and no unwanted abortions. What if we just came from a different assumption, took the issue of choice off the table and started working towards policies that looks like that? So... I think O'Toole has to go, and that won't surprise you. Um, there's lots of phone calls flurrying around at the moment. There's plenty of MPs who feel the same way, um, especially MPs who feel like, you know, victory solves a lot of stuff. So if he had insulted them, screwed them over, treated them with contempt, and then won, you know, all would, all would probably be forgiven today, albeit begrudgingly. But because he did all of that and lost, 
um, there's a lot of people who want his head on a platter, right? Bert Chen has already got a, a petition out out for his removal. So I think I want uh, Leslie Lewis for later, which I've, I've, I've been saying for a couple of years, because I think that for social conservatives, we need a paradigm shift politically. We need to move away from trying the same pieces of legislation we've been putting forward for 25 years. Um, and I want a female candidate to talk about the abortion issue for a change. Somebody that just eliminates the primary thing we always end up debating and gets into the nitty gritty of Canada has 100,000 abortions a year. That's the same number of people abortions as they have in Germany. And they've got you know 50 million more people. So what can we do to change the status quo, seriously speaking? How do we cut that in half? Yeah, you are right about this. And I, I know that conservatives are naturally resistant to the idea of identity politics, but you have to play the rules of the game mm -hmm. as they are. You don't get to write new rules. This is how the media is. This is how the liberals are. And it would be fascinating to see Justin Trudeau try to out-feminist Leslin Lewis, which would be his instinct. He would try to say, yep. no, 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 I speak for women more than this yep. female candidate. Plus and it doesn't have to be Leslin Lewis. It could be anyone. just mixes it up too, right? Like that's the yeah. thing is... You know, Canada is a very diverse country. I do think um, there's something to be said that a lot of immigrant communities would want to vote for somebody who looked like them or at least see somebody soar to the top. Leslie Lewis was the come from behind candidate in the last leadership race. But I would pay a lot of money to watch. I don't think he'd debate her. I think if there was a leadership race and she did become leader, which is a whole lot of ifs, I think he'd, I think he'd take his walk in the snow at that point because I don't think he wants to go up against um, the, 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 uh, the, the black female candidate uh, on, on any of those issues. But like Leslie Lewis also has a very powerful story, right? When, 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 they, when I interviewed her about abortion and just asked her where her convictions came from, they said they, they tried to push her into having an abortion when she was young. So she's experienced that as a woman from the other side of things. Trudeau's like, more abortions for everyone. Right? And I'm going to defund crisis pregnancy centers just in case they help you out with one, an abortion that you don't want. Right? Abortion's an objective good for him. And that's because you know his mom had one. She's talked about that publicly. His dad brought abortion to Canada. Abortion is fundamentally part of the Trudeau family legacy. But to see a female candidate who has a very different experience of this put it forward in a way that could clear the decks for a reasonable discussion. And by a reasonable discussion, I mean, no, we're not going to ban abortion. Canadians aren't going to be able to, are they like, they're not going to take that anytime soon. But we can move the Overton window by talking about abortion as a, a tragedy that is frequently, if not more than half of the time, unwanted by the person procuring their, the abortion. And we as a society could do a lot about that. And as a pro-life activist, you know, if we put in place policies that mean 20,000 less abortions every year, like, man, I'll sleep well at night. Yeah, and I, I want to bring it back to the O'Toole problem here, because you touched on something very important there, which is the need to change the discussion. And I was talking about this earlier in the show, not in, in the context of abortion, but in general, the conservative default to taking a defensive position yeah. instead of an offensive position on every issue. And, and part of this is because, and I, I know this from covering the conservative campaign, uh -huh. most of the questions that the media will ask him are from a liberal premise. And yes. that the, that's just the reality of media. What is yeah. government going to do about X? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this issue, that issue? Mm -hmm. It's always coming from a, a left-wing premise. However, when the response, the talking points tend to... Uh, endorse that premise, it doesn't advance the ground anymore. So this is why you had in 2019, Andrew Scheer basically like apologizing for being pro-life uh, with Aaron O'Toole. Again, you don't have any pushing back. I would say, well, hang on. Yeah, what, why was Justin Trudeau not against uh, gender-based gender abortion? Mm -hmm. Why is Justin Trudeau not letting women make this choice? He says it's their choice. Why does that not include the right to go to a, a crisis pregnancy center? And, and when conservatives come across as not particularly uh, well-heeled in their convictions, it, it 
only moves us backwards. Yeah, so there's a few things to, to unpack there. Uh, in the instance of, of, of Andrew Shear, of course, um, he just he didn't take the help that was offered, I think, too, is that he could have he could have rearticulated the, the, the abortion discussion. He didn't have to play defense on that issue. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that's driven me the craziest over the last five to six years is there's a lot of people playing defense on issues they don't need to play defense on. In terms of the way the discussion is locked in, uh, we had we I, I interviewed Jonathan Kay on our on our election night live stream because I wanted to talk to a, a reasonable social social liberal and say, why do you think the discussion is the way it is? Why are we the only Western nation with no abortion law and the only Western nation that can't actually discuss this that, issue? That's another point conservative politicians could bring up. And they never bring up, they're like, oh, like, look, they, like, they want to drag us back to the handmaid's tale. I'm like, no, 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 I'm just talking about like Sweden or Germany. You know, <laughs> like, it's like, that's the... Yeah, this, yeah this, those handmaid's tale dystopias of yeah, Sweden. Yeah, exactly. The Scandinavian socialist countries was my point of reference there, actually. Not Gilead, but... But the thing is, is that I, I think this discussion benefits three groups of people. It's the CBC that loves to talk about abortion, but also loves to insinuate that Canada is a more progressive country um, than all other countries, especially and including the United States. Then there's the red Tories who and you know this as well as I do. There, there are some red Tories who are just, you know, politicos who want to get elected. There are plenty of red Tories that actually hold social conservatives in contempt is they actually don't like us. Um, they think it's embarrassing that we're in the same party as them, and they were praying desperately to whatever god they pray to uh, that Aaron O'Toole was going to eke out a win so that they could have proof of concept that if we offload the crazies, you know, we can onboard the reasonable people and we can go to all the cool cocktail parties. And then there's there's the liberals who only drag out abortion around election time. And so the whole idea that the conservatives are scary and are going to ban abortion benefits the red Tories because they can say, look, we need to get rid of all these social conservatives because this, this, these attacks are killing us. And the liberals can drag it out every time uh, and, and insist that the conservatives are going to do something that Harper showed no interest in doing over 10 years. And that, and that the pro-life groups aren't pitching if you look at what we're actually asking for. Uh, and so that, that we get stuck. And when when I come forward and, and others have come forward and we're looking like, look, like there are so many things that we can accomplish that allow us to have a debate completely outside the issue of legality. And nobody's interested because it's serving a whole bunch of people so well. Right. Andrew Shear could have run with this. I do think the next if there is a leadership race. Uh, I think the next conservative leader is going to be much more open to how do I get social conservatives on board without getting murdered in the press? And we saw Pierre Lemieux do it with his um, social conservative values or Canadian values speeches when, during the leadership race. We saw Leslie Lewis do it. Uh, she went on CTV and Global, debated her no hidden agenda platform. And they just didn't know what to do with her because they're like, oh, yeah, no, most Canadians support that. That's super reasonable. And you're a woman. So and I can't. Beca and because to go back to the previous point, they're used to conservatives apologizing for their views. Yeah. Yeah, they're not used to them defending it, right? Like, it's it's the same thing with... Well, and with making like, it, like, a key plank of your platform, too. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same thing with community blockers for kids. Like, there's a long list of issues where a plurality of Canadians is solidly in the social conservative camp, and most of those issues, especially the more recent issues in the last five, six years, the Conservative Party has literally given up without a fight. Like, never, like oh, that seems like an issue that the Liberals are going to say mean things about us for, so we're not even going to talk about it. Like, the discourse in this country on anything cultural is so incredibly impoverished. Look, I know, like, like for example, firearms is, is an issue near and dear to your heart. It's going to drive you nuts to watch the way the discussion unfolds, and it's just a stack of garbage premises, and that's the whole discussion. And you're sitting there on the sidelines like none of that stuff is true. And even the stuff that is true is presented in such a way that it isn't true anymore. And we all have to just sit there and watch that debate take place. And there's no leader who can speak articulately to any of our issues. 
Yeah, welcome to my world, week three of the campaign. <laughs> Jonathan Van Maren, Communications Director for the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. Always a pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks yeah. for coming on. You bet. Thanks a million, Andrew. That was Jonathan Van Maren of the CCBR. We're going to have lots more on this tomorrow, talking about both sides of this discussion and also delving into the rise of the PPC, taking a bit more of a critical look at what happened there and what its effect was on the conservative fortune and on the election in general. That's all going to be tomorrow here on The Andrew Lawton Show, Canada's most irreverent talk show. Thank you, God bless, and good day. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.